Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I am your host, Lewis McParlane, and in this episode, we'll be talking about each of the five European matches that included French teams played over the past few days. We'll also be looking forward to a couple of the matches set to be played this weekend, as well as the latest France squad call-ups for their upcoming Euro 2020 qualifying matches against Moldova and Albania. Today, I'm joined, as ever, by GFFN's favourite Angie fan, Mr Thomas Wiseman. Thomas, what did you make of the of the Champions League and, and Europa League matches this week? Uh, did any catch your eye that weren't, you know, like the teams that in, involved French teams? You know, I, I know that Ajax and Chelsea had an absolute stunner at 4-4. Uh, I know that Jake would have been going crazy at that if he'd seen it. Uh, but did any catch your eye that, that you, you felt interested you? Um, yeah, that that Chelsea one was pretty crazy. Um, yeah. I, I sort of caught the end of that when it. I saw it was falling. I was like, "Oh, that, that's an interesting result." And then, well, and so it was quite a, it was quite an interesting one. Uh, I was just watching a, a you know a couple of those in between the um, Manchester United game. I was looking out for some um, some uh, African legends, Aduba Sumas, people like that. So, yeah, it was a it was a, a very uh, exciting European roundup. Probably not the best for French teams, uh, but we'll get onto that. As we'll get on to it. Yeah, the more you look for for European matches this week, um, especially in the Europa League, there were so many like last minute winners that were just yeah, yeah, insane. Yeah. I mean, we were looking at um, what Munchen Gladbach scored with, um, you know, uh, preview favourite Marcus Turam scoring the late goal. Uh, he's been doing so well over in Germany. I'm, I'm, I feel almost like proud of him because everyone was like, oh, he's, he's just Lillian Turam's son, isn't he? But now he's actually turning into like his own player. Uh, Munchen Gladbach scored late. Wolves scored late. Someone scored late in the San Etienne match, but we'll get onto that in a second. <laughs> um, and Standard scored late. It was it was nutty for him for Europa League matches. Uh, we'll we're also joined by Clinton McDubbish. You probably heard him laughing in the background there. Clinton, what Champions League games caught your eye that weren't the the standard teams that the matches that involved French teams this week? Uh, okay, I was going to say Valencia, but then you said um, <laughs> French. <laughs> uh, well, um, obviously the Chelsea Ajax game was just bonkers, but I particularly liked the Atalanta Mast game because of uh, Kyle Walker going in goal. Kyle Walker in goal. Yeah, and Atalanta being unable to get a shot on target after, like for about <laughs> ten minutes, it was insane. It's just he made fun. a save. <laughs> he made a save. Yeah, he made one save and he spilled it, but I mean, then yeah. he, he was able to. Well, you overall, it was it was a fun week in mm. Europe. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely enjoyed it. Dortmund had a nutty game against Inter, uh, coming back from two 0 down to win three two. What that else was happened? Insane. Juve yeah. beat Lokomotiv with Douglas Costa's absolutely disgusting ninety third minute goal to win it. He, I don't know if you've seen now. it. Yeah, oh, he just dribbles past like four guys and skips it in the near post. Oh, it's disgusting. Uh, yeah, really good week for European football. And speaking of European football, let's get into some of the matches that involved some of the French teams, the Lyon teams. I decided that we'd start on a bit of a high before descending down the rabbit hole. Uh, but let's start with Lyon. We've not really had the chance to talk about Lyon in a 
positive light in recent weeks. But, you know, they, they did better here. Uh, they faced Benfica in the Champions League, winning 3-1 with goals coming from Anderson. Bertrand Traore, who hasn't scored in ages, I kind of forgot he existed, uh, and Memphis Depay, who's been electric recently. Seferovic got a goal for Benfica as well. So, Thomas, three wins on the bounce, eight goals in their last three games. They're playing quite well at the moment, Leon, aren't they? Uh, playing much better than they were, they were previously, for sure. Um, yeah, it was... It was I mean, this is a, a great boost for them going to, into the Marseille game of the weekend, which we'll, we'll t- touch on later. But yeah, it was. A, I mean, it wasn't a, a vintage performance, but it's it's um, a result that really boosts them, and they, and they look like you know they, they they could qualify from this from this group. And looking back over the past couple of match days, we would have thought maybe that it's, it it may have been out of reach due to the, the form and the, and the change of of, uh, of coach. Um, but it's good to see. Um, Joachim Anderson get on the, the score sheet. I mean, he's he d- didn't have a great start um, to life, uh, Leon, but he looks like he's getting uh, better. And that partnership with Denai is strengthening. Um, so uh, overall, uh, a good result for for Leon, and and hopefully he'll try and take that momentum into uh, the weekend's game. Mm. And a, a player that I mentioned got on the score sheet is Memphis Depay, who's been just, he's had a new lease of, of life recently, scoring so many goals, scoring against Benfica, scoring the winner very late on the 95th minute against Toulouse, getting goals against Mets, even scoring in the, in the later days of Silvino's season. He just looks as if he's Mr. Leon right now, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Leon looked like they're heavily reliant on him at this point and the magic that he brings. And it's just absolutely delightful to see him stepping up to the plate. Um, All along, for for years, um, the one thing that has been said about Depay is that he's inconsistent, which is, you know, mostly true. He, He has those periods when he just doesn't seem to care and, you know, doesn't turn up. And then when he decides to turn up, he's absolutely world class. So um, it's good to see him showing some consistency. He's been scoring game game after game. Scored um, two against Toulouse the other time, and then before that, scored against Mets, uh, and also scored against Benfica in the first leg of this um, tie. So um, overall, he's just been in good form, and it's, it's it's good to see that you know he's been able to do that, and hopefully he continues it because I think that um, Leon's season. And how it goes heavily depends on him and how he's able to sustain this form. Mm. He's finally starting to look like the the youngster that came over to England from PSV with such a good reputation for this direct running and good finishing. It's finally looking as if he's he's starting to realise that. I mean, when you look at his numbers over the last few years at Lyon, you know, usually playing behind the striker or on the wing, very usually as your kind of out-and-out striker. In 130 appearances, he's got 50 goals. He had 20 goal contributions last year in the league. That's goals and assists combined. And already he has eight goals in 10 league games this season. He talked in the summer or a while ago about the possibility of moving to a maybe a, a bigger club than Leon. Leon are already a pretty big club as they are, but moving to a, another stage in his career. Do you think that he's now kind of got the bit between his teeth and he's kind of realising that he has this talent, but he's not going to get a move to... I think he 
in his mind sees that he could play for like a Real Madrid for a Barcelona. He's not going to get that move unless he really steps up. But we're now starting to see that player that is capable of playing at just a, a whole other level, Thomas. Do you think that he could make the step up again to just another level of club like a PSG, like a Real Madrid, like an even a, a Manchester City at the moment? Yeah, it's interesting because... I mean, when he, he he's been at Leon for a good few years now. I remember he, he was mentioning he would um, his uh, his target is to play for Real Madrid, and not long ago you would have sort of scoffed at that and thought, you know, keep dreaming. But it, it look he has it seems like he has actually matured um, as a as a player both on the pitch and off the pitch over the, uh, the past few years, and he's really, especially this season, you know, you can see he's very very determined, and he's in in the past. You you probably would have seen him turn off in games and um and and not be putting a hundred percent not be putting hundred percent in, into into performances, but this this year round you can see he's, he's he's very hungry for the ball all the time, um and he really wants he really wants to you know be the main man um at Leon and and so far you know he has been that and I, I mean if he if he keeps if he keeps his form up, you can't really deny him of of that. That, uh, to say that he doesn't deserve that move away. Clinton, do you do you agree? Do you think he could make the step up to to a higher level of club like maybe Real Madrid, like he talked about? Absolutely, I think he's he's capable of that. But um, I, I I think that he slightly overrated um, what he the level he was at previously. And mm. it led to him being um, a bit um, complacent about what he needs to do to get to that level where a Real Madrid would come for him. But I think now he has realized that if he's going to get a move like that, he needs to, you know, really step up and show himself like over the course of a season and just be the the main man. And I think um, th- that's that's what he has realized because previously, um, I think obviously it's it's a bit of a Leon thing, like. Everyone just comes and sees it as a stepping stone. And I think it always, I've always said that it started from, you know, Jean-Michel Olas, um, the way he approaches all those things and the way he turns um, transfer talking to a circus, a, a bit of a circus. But, and of course, that slips, slips into the players' minds and they also think, you know, like that. So I think Depay also, you know, he had that thought, okay, I'm just in Leon for maybe one year, two years, three years. I'll just, you know, show that I still have this ability despite what happened at Manchester United and then maybe a, a big club will come. But he didn't get that move. And I think he has realized that if he's going to, you know, get that kind of move, he needs to show himself. I mean, he must have seen Pepe last season um, at Lille. I mean, Pepe, Pepe was not, you know, ahead of him, you know, in terms of where they were, levels they were, mm. you know, before this, you know, breakout season that Pepe really had, like this real breakout season that he had. Yeah. And he just earned a move. Immediately, so um, the prime must have been looking at all of that and thinking, okay, what am I doing? I, I can reach this level and I can show this level of you know greatness. So I, I guess he's he's finally realized it and he just seems up for it. It seems like a guy that is finally serious about his football mm-hmm. and not just you know when he's in the mood. So I think he can. I think he can get that move. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that. Uh... I don't know how people are going to take this, but I would argue that Depay is probably a better footballer, more talented just as an actual player than Pepe is. 
Just you know, I ball agree. its feet. Who can who can ball who can put the ball where? Who can go past anyone? But it's just Pepe showed a lot more determination to come and, and turn up and turn into that next level player. I mean, you know, they've come from different places because obviously Depay had the big move when he was very young, whereas Pepe had to build up a little bit more. You know, yeah. coming come from Anji then to Lille, but it just shows that Depay's probably looked at that and gone, right, okay, I'm I'm better than that guy. So why can't I go and get a move and, and earn probably, let's be honest, a lot more money abroad if he does go to England, if he does yeah. go to Spain. Um, but that that's just the thing with Leon at the moment. I mean, when you talk about like selling clubs, it's it, they come with levels. You know, you, you've got selling yeah. clubs in Ligue 2 that make good players like Social Montbelliard. Uh, and then you've got selling clubs like, like Andre, for instance. And then you've got another level up where you've got selling clubs like Leon. And you can look at Mariana Diaz. You can look at Ndombele in the summer there. And another player, how's this for a segue? Another player that might be aiming to make a move through playing at Lyon is Jeff Rennie Adelaide. Thomas, he's he's been looking great as well recently with Garcia coming in as manager, hasn't he? He's not playing centre midfield. Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, um, I was... Uh, Slight concern when uh, Garcia didn't uh, start playing him when he came in. Uh, I did offer, you know, just loan him back to Andre for, for half a season. You know, we'll, we'll sort him out for you. But uh, yeah, yes, I mean that that assist for Depay on the weekend was was um, pretty classic. Yeah, it was gorgeous, wasn't it? Really. Um, so he, he's playing um, out on that, that right hand side. You know, he's a bit. He was he's more inverted than he was. Um, remember him at, at Angers, but um, he's, he's picked up nice space. Um, he's got more time on, on the ball um, than he usually has had in the past, and uh, he's just showing it really. And hopefully, his his uh, form can could continue because he's on upward trend at the moment, and uh, and Leon need that uh, especially because he's, he's that. Uh, ever since Fakir left, they haven't really had a a player uh, like that. I'm not. They're not. Um, completely similar similar players, but um, he gives that sort of a certain dynamic that that Fakir used to you know he's quite good at making late um, runs into into the box and is always a, a tricky player to pick up. So yeah, he's uh, interesting to see how he'll do. And uh, as a uh, Andre fan, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Mm, absolutely, and a player that probably needs to take a leaf out of Adelaide and Depay's book is a player who. There's no doubting that he's, a, he's an incredible talent and I don't want to make out as if we're just completely reactionary and, and switching our opinion on him. But Moussa Dembele just hasn't been hitting the, the same levels that he had. Probably under Silvino, you could say. Uh, a manager who did get a lot out of him towards the uh, at the kind of start of the season. He's only scored two goals, just one from open play, since the 25th of September. Um it's it's not been going great from in the last few weeks, Clinton. But do you think this is more just a little bit of a dip? And are you are you do you think that he will eventually get back to putting him in the back of the net and getting into the French team eventually? What do you think, Clinton? Absolutely, I I think that um, it's just a, a bit of a dip, and eventually he's going to get get back into form. Th- these things happen, but when you look at Dembélé, um, he's he's a player that you know his quality. There's there's a lot of quality in there, and he's he's a proper player. It's just um, the last few weeks with the, the instability in Lyon and the way everything has gone so far this season, 
is just completely gone off the boil. But um, I'm very, very op optimistic about um, the fact that he's going to get back to a very high level and actually, you know, just explode from there. Um, the way I see it, uh, it's it's almost like um, everyone is taking their time to pick form back, like get back in form after the Sylvania episode. Of course, we're seeing the players as as you know hit the ground running. Um, Jeff is 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 balling out. It's just going to be a matter of time. But um, overall, I think he's there's there's no doubt in his talent. For me, I think um, he's he's a top top talent, and um, he has all it takes to be a consistent goal scorer and to eventually reach the level where he becomes a regular for France. So I have, I have no doubt in my mind that it's just a dip. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, I, think, I think it's just been overshadowed by Depay's performances. Um, yeah. In a way, I mean, I mean, it's not like you know, Depay, um, Dembele did score against you know, Toulouse. He scored against Mets still, and he, I mean, he wasn't in the greatest of form at the start of the season. I think he sort of um, got quite lucky. With he was well, he was just um, finishing his chances. I mean, very, he's always been very clinical, but. Um, he was sort of overperforming in a way, but you know, he's still got time to get back to to the form. Um, we do know he, he can produce, and and I'm sure he'll have that link up with uh, the pie sorted in no time. Mm -hmm. I th I think you've you've kind of hit the nail on the head there a little bit because we talked about the pie as well and that kind of mentality that you can get ahead of yourself sometimes, you know, in a grander sense, the pie with getting the move when it was so young and, and going to United when it was in such a transition period and things not really working out can damage you mentally, I'm, I'm sure. And the same probably goes for Dembele in a much shorter space of time. You know, he came in, was so good at the start of the season, you know, scoring against, against Monaco right at the start of the season, scoring against Andre, and then, you know little bit dropped off there but you know he's so talented just a natural footballer so I, I, I'm very confident he's going to get back to um, being a good player and if Leon do anything this season he'll probably in, amount, in and amongst the top scorers let's be honest um, yeah. but let's keep the, the good vibes going slightly before we like I say go a lot more down the hill uh, PSG got a win in midweek against Club Bruges a bit harder fought of a victory than they did in the reverse fixture but you know a one will a one nil win. Maro Icardi getting on the score sheet. It wasn't the most convincing of results, but following the Dijon match, Clinton was it just more a case of getting the job done, going, getting the win, getting into the next round, and just leaving. Yeah, I think um, in the end they probably had that back of their minds that um, they just wanted to get to the finish line, just make sure that you know the game was done and they were in the next round. But that performance was <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Absolutely disgusting. I was I was watching it and I was so disgusted. I think that's probably the worst I've seen of Mbappe like in my life. He was just completely out of it. And you know, the the entire team, it just seemed like they were sleepy. I, I remember tweeting that um it was as if they had a party the previous night and they were drunk or something. <laughs> it was they were just there was no rhythm, no pattern, nothing. Even Ghana didn't look, you know, as excellent as he has looked in recent times. And, you know, they they could easily have drawn that game or lost it. I mean, of course, Keller, Keller was on fire. And um, Club Bruce had nine shots inside the PSG box and 14 shots overall. To put that into context, PSG had 10 shots overall. So, like, 
right. <laughs> at Jeez. home against Club Bruges, a team they just beat 5-0 away, and they really, really just couldn't do anything. Everyone just seemed out of sorts. And, but mm. I guess it's just it's just what happens when you're, you you feel like, okay, you've you've done most of the work. It's just to get to the finish line and just, you know, be done with it. So uh, I guess that's what happened. I figure that um, when they play um, their next game, at Real Madrid, they would step up because, of course, that's a big game, Sean, and you know to you know rise to the occasion. But that that game was disgusting. <laughs> was really yeah. disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> but this has been a a thing we've seen with PSG, especially this season. Already a few times, um, more talking about the, the Dijon result and also this kind of result. That little bit of complacency that just seeps into the team. You know, we saw it against Dijon, we saw it against Ramps early in the season, and even against Ren right at the start of the season. That little bit of complacency just seeps into the team, and they don't operate at the very high levels that we know they can. Um, but I guess you judge champions at how they bounce back, don't you? Thomas, you know, like, I don't know if it's the case where you look at them losing and then winning their next match and being like, right, okay, they can really bounce back. Or Paris fans might just be like, we'd prefer no drama and just to win every match, <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, like I said, it was, it, was a poor, it was a poor performance. I mean, the Dijon one was, um, <laughs> Mario Cardi just couldn't finish anything. No. Um, they created a lot though. Like, yeah, yeah. People were making out as if like, oh, awful result. They were really, they missed like the stats on it. Like you could watch it as well. I, I think it was Icardi who put it over the bar, over the bar from like two yards out. Yeah, yeah. Um, he missed like they, three chances in nine yeah. minutes or something. Yeah, the, the stats, the statistics have them as missing five big chances. So that's like guilt edge chances that you should be putting away. So if this game finishes six two. You know, you don't even you don't even think anything. You just go off oh, crazy PSG result, a little bit shake at the back. You know, like it wasn't even as if they were that bad. It was just like mm-hmm. Dijon got a bit lucky, and that complacency got into the team as well. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, this game against Bruges, they just weren't they just weren't good at all. They didn't produce they anything no. really, um, and they were leaving a lot of. I mean, there was loads of space. They were even exposed, and and Bruges could counter well. And I mean, if if some of the the um, sort of the final decisions from from the Bruce players were better than PSG could have could have lost this game quite easily. And if it was wasn't for and by Diang be it being I mean having a, a shocking penalty, um, yeah. really bad penalty. Um, yeah, it would have been it would have been a, a bit more of a difficult situation. But you know they've they've got over over the line really. They've, they've qualified pretty much, and um, they'll just have to move on to to the next game. But they're Make no mistake about this was a, this was a poor performance in PSG. Yeah. I thought it was quite a good save though from Killer Navas. He got down quite quickly. You know, penalties are hard to save. You ever saved a penalty, Thomas? I didn't think <laughs> yeah. so. Anyway, let's talk. Um, someone who probably can save penalties. Never seen him in goal, but we've had a we've had a um, history of guys going in goals this week, haven't we? Mario Cardi. So he scored a goal against Bruges, and he's just kind of been that man who. Where Mbappe's been out injured, Neymar's been doing whatever he does in his free time, Cavani's been out, you know, other players. He's been quite consistent, Icardi, this season. He was the he was the hero that they didn't... Uh, how's that Batman thing again? The hero they didn't know they needed. They didn't deserve the hero they needed. Something to do with that. But Icardi's <laughs> yeah. been there when they needed him. He scored another goal here through an awful cross from Colin Dagg, but it must be said. But... <laughs> 
another goal. He just kind of dribbled to him, to be honest. All the Bruges defenders jumped out of the way. What are your opinions on Icardi being a permanent PSG player? Do you think with Cavani getting a little bit older, he would fit in and kind of replace him rather well in the long-term structure for PSG? Yeah, I think um, ultimately he's he's probably a very very good you know uh, replacement for Cavani in the long run. And um, normally the 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 nine for PSG does not need to touch the ball too much. That's the way it's it's set up. So and Icardi is that kind of player. He doesn't need too many touches. He doesn't need to be too involved in the general build up play. He just needs to be there when the ball is played in. So uh, and that's what Cavani has had to become in the past few years, in the past two two seasons or so. That's just be that guy who has to be there in and around the box, making the right runs and you know movement and all of that. So um, in in that regard, I think Icardi is a perfect replacement for Cavani. And um, when you consider that, it seems Tico really likes <laughs> Icardi. Like I think he's in love with Icardi. <laughs> He's, he's giving um, Cavani no, almost no chances these days. Cavani has been on the bench for five straight games now. And I, this was one game I thought he was going to start Cavani in, but again, he started Icardi. So it, it seems like he's really taken to Icardi. And if that is the case, then I think it's almost certain that um, you know PSG will sign him permanently at the end of the season. But um, most importantly, Icardi has to keep delivering especially in the you know big CL ties later in the season. If he's able to deliver, I believe that, that that's going to be the real test for him when those big CL ties come in the second half of the season, those knockout games that PSG dread so much. <laughs> if he's able to step up and do something, then, of course, he would automatically uh, earn a move to a, a permanent move. But um, I think for now, um, they wouldn't want to be too hasty making that decision, they would still want to see how he performs, you know, in the second half of the season. But personally, I think that it's almost a done deal. I think he's going to, you know, remain at PSG beyond the season. Mm. I'd like to see him. He's a, he's a really good player. And um, whenever I watched him in Italy, I was always just like, this kid's... I, I didn't understand why people didn't overhype him. He was always just like, oh, Acardi, yeah, really good striker. But no one was like, wow, this kid's really good at football, by the way. If you look at his numbers and everything, just his movement off the ball and everything is so yeah. gorgeous. Like, I do just really like him as a player. And he's just like a bit of a nutter up front. It's great. He's, <laughs> he would get in fights with like, the Inter Milan um, ultras and everything. Oh, it's great. That'd be, that'd be great for them to sign him and just be playing in, in Liga and all the time. I'd love that. Just a note on Cavani. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I love Cavani. Um, I think I think most people do have a, a soft spot for him. Let's all admit it now. Um, but yeah, it was great to see him um, come back on, even though it was you know only for not too long. And and uh, he had one or two really nice touches on the ball. So hopefully he can get back to some fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he came on and, and Pierce, you know, the, the the fans and the supporters. We're, we're chanting his name for, until they, they concede the penalty. So uh, that was uh, <laughs> that, that was great to see. So yeah, um, yeah. Let's see if Cavani can uh, can challenge Icardi's place in the team. And it seems Icardi is injured now. I'm not yeah, sure yeah, how yeah. long he got injured. So um, that might be an opportunity. But then again, there's the international break coming up, so he might be back before it's over. Yeah. So, I mean, Cavani is a good player. So he's been linked with a couple places. Like, 
basically the idea is he isn't going to stay at PSG for another season. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, I think this is his last season. I actually thought he was going to leave in the summer, but yeah, um, I, mean, I think this is, this is it for him. So now let's start looking at a couple of the more depressing results that happened this week in the, the French-European calendar. Uh, Clinton, I want to stay with you for this one for obvious reasons. So your team, Valencia, played Lille. Uh, I'm I'm just going to... I'll say what the result was and who scored and stuff, and then I, I kind of just want to give you the floor and you can just explain what happened, what was different between the first half and the second half. So in this match, Valencia won 4-1. Uh, a goal from Mr. Osim Hen opened yeah. scoring for Lille before Parejo, Samauro, Condogbia, Torres all scored for Valencia. Clinton, what happened in this match? What happened? Well, uh, this is a game that for long periods I thought we were going to lose, to be very honest. I think Leo were excellent. And um, in the first half, we were completely clueless. Um, and then the uh, Simen goal happened really early. And from there, um, it was it was just we, we, we lacked imagination. And Leo just controlled the flow of the game. And um, sometime in the second half, early in the second half, um, Simen gave a very, very good chance to Yazici, which he sort of fumbled. should have taken a better shot, but he missed it. That could easily have been 2-0 because he had all the time in the world to slot that in. And from there, I think we we got a bit lucky with the penalty because um, the, the decision um, was reviewed with VAR and Fonte kept complaining that Yo, this is not this is not a penalty based on the rules because the ball hit his body before it touched mm. his hand. He was sliding and it hit his body. So VR should have seen that, but it didn't. And he was absolutely livid. It was very harsh. It was very harsh. Yeah, it was very, very, very harsh. But that was our way back. But even after that, even after that um equalizer, of course we increased our intensity. I, I did say last week um, when we we're previewing these games that um we are just the way Lille are a Jekyll and Hyde team with how <laughs> they have good home games and terrible away games. We are a Jekyll and Hyde team in 90 minutes. <laughs> we, we play absolute rubbish in the first half. And then in the second half, somehow, maybe in the last 15 minutes, our intensity just comes from nowhere. So if you've not you know, completely killed us by that by that point, then that's what we are definitely coming back. That's how it has been for the last few weeks. So um, we had that momentum, we had that um, adrenaline pump, and the the whole intensity just came, and then we were going a little again and again and again. But we really weren't making any headway. But then um, by the 80 minutes, Ote made a blunder. And that was what opened the door for us because it was still one-one by the eighty-first minute. Yeah, it was still one-one, but um, Gauthier took off Benjamin Andre because I I figure he wanted to go for it. Because I mean, it was one-one. Little needed to do something. They needed to you know try to win this game so that uh, at least they could have something, and you know probably still stand a chance in the group. So he went for it. He took off um Benjamin Andre, and from that point, I mean. Andre went off in the 80th minute and we got a goal in the second minute. Like it, it was just, you know, immediate. Uh, it was a, a pass from behind and Gabriel Paulista found 
um, Gaia, our left back, who made a run, and then he plays across and tomorrow scored in his own um, post. But um, I think that if Andre had been on the pitch at that point, um, that pass wouldn't have happened. I think um, the shape was disrupted a bit because you know, um, Gote has been working with this 3-4-3 thing and has really been, uh, the team has really looked good with it. And I, I feel like if Andre, because Andre is a guy that participates in so many duels, he's always like an all-action guy. And also he's, he contributes very well in attack. I think he had three key passes in this game as well. And he's just like all-action and all of that. And I mean, generally he averages about 10 duels per game. That's that's a crazy number, ten dollars per game, and he he's been doing that for about two three years now. So um, as soon as he went off, we 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 got that chance and we scored. Then of course the Kondogbia goal was a long shot, could have gone anywhere. It really wasn't something that um, Lille could do anything about. And then Ferran's goal was towards the end when you know um, Lille were trying to get at his some way back into the game later on, and then Ferran got the chance and he scored. That's for Torres. So um, the result flattered us a lot because I, I didn't think that we were, were better than Lille. I think Lille were much better than us for almost the entire game. And it was really harsh, but I think that's a bit like the theme of um, Lille's Champions League campaign so far because they've actually played yeah. well. Like, yeah. They've played well in all their games, but somehow they've ended up with just one point in four games. And it's... But um, I guess that's what happens with um, inexperience. You know, they don't really have that Champions League experience. It happens. I mean, if you look across at Atalanta, Atalanta are a very good side. That's the Italian team. And but in Champions League, they've they've been getting destroyed left, right, center because they don't they don't have that experience. Experience matters a lot. They lost four zero at um, Dynamo um, the Dynamo team. And yeah. They lost 5-1 in so um, yeah, yeah. Manchester City. Because, of course, when, when, when you go to Manchester City, you have a lead. What do you do? You don't you don't come out and leave your, your, your space open because you're an attacking team. You have to be smart because Manchester City will come at you. That yeah. kind of thing. So, I think experience matters a lot. And I feel like Lille have learned a lot from this campaign. And it's something they can build on if they return to the Champions League next season. But overall, that game could have gone... We could have lost that game 3-0 easily. Uh, Osimhen was brilliant, by the way. Um, I think where um, Lille had a problem was um, left wing back. That's um, Braderich. Braderich was completely roasted by Ferran Torres. Torres <laughs> didn't start the game, but he came on and he dribbled past Braderich about four times. He completely destroyed him down that side and it gave us some attacking impetus. So, um, Braderich wasn't very good. And yes, um, Zeki Celik, who I absolutely love and I consider the best right back in the world. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> <laughs> Zeki Celik had, you know, had a moment where the, the, the ball that led to the second goal, he, he, it was his touch that you know, sent it into the path of Gaia, who now played it across and it led to the own goal. So, he could have done better for that for that um, chance. But overall, um, I think Lille can be very proud of themselves. I think they, they put in, you know, a very, 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 very good performance, uh, you know, at Mestaya. And overall, they, the outcomes were favorable in, you know, the, the way the matches ended for them in, in Champions League. But the process was very good. 
and I'm, I'm a big fan of process over outcome. Of course, outcomes are important, but the process is what gives you sustainability, in my opinion. So mm -hmm. if you're able to you know, repeat those processes, eventually the tide will turn. Uh, they are still in it, though, although it's a slim chance. But, I mean, if they beat Ajax, they go to four points. Um, and if Valencia beats uh, Chelsea, it, Valencia will be on 10, Chelsea will be on 7, Ajax will be on 7, and Lille will be on 4. And then they would play against Chelsea while Valencia will play Ajax. So it's, 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 of course, they are almost certainly out, but I mean, they should still try as long as they are still mathematically in it. So, yeah, that's my take. Clinton, that's a great answer. That's a great answer. It was eight minutes is what I counted on that. I just let him go. I love it. It's kind of Thomas when I just say, you can talk about Andre. You're just like, yeah, okay, that's fine. I'll just go. Uh, yeah. Uh, that sums up it's kind of the match Lille just been a little bit unlucky this season I don't think it puts Christoph Galtier any much closer to the sack because they're not even that bad in the league right now they're only like a point or two points off second so yeah it's it's just they've been a little bit unfortunate in a few matches Lille but yeah that, that answer sums it up that eight minutes sums up pretty well uh, let's move on to the two Europa League matches that included French teams this week. So let's start with Cluj versus Rennes. So Cluj are the Romanian champions. They've kind of been making a bit of a name for themselves this year in the Europa League with a couple good performances. And they got another good one here against Rennes. At home, they beat the French side 1-0 with Mario Rondon's 88th minute winner. Uh, coincidentally, he was sent off about two minutes later, I heard. Uh, but yeah, so Ren defeat, more disappointment in Europe. Thomas, what, what does this say about Ren? You know, the, the last few years they have been getting into Europe, but their squad just seems to be a little bit below, quali below the quality of everyone else, if you know what I mean. I don't mean to be too disrespectful to them, but there are a couple players that you could look at that you could go... They're not Europa League quality. That's at least my take on it. What do you think about that, Thomas? Uh, I'm not too sure. I mean, they've got. A, I'll look at most of the, the, the players they've got there, and they're, they're pretty good quality. Um, they've got quite a few uh, good few young players coming through, but I reckon they've got you know one of the best squads in in league, at least. And. Um, it, you can it, tell by my 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 exhaling that I don't agree with that, but I'll let But uh, it was it was a it's been a disappointing campaign for them. Um, I don't think it affects uh, Stefan's place uh, at the moment. I think the, he's got the backing. <laughs> he's, yeah, it doesn't really. He's got the backing um, of the club still. He's got the place. Um, Still, uh, are playing look like they're playing for him. So I don't think his job security is in any danger at the moment. Uh, it's just they have to sort of switch this round and now focus on the league where they've been. You know, they've been they've been poor this season um, in the league, and and they just need to to get you know get some good results um, going and 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 try and and get some good form back and 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 sort of let this. Like this slips to the back of their mind and, and sort of forget about. It. I mean, in this game they had twelve shots on target and the key the keeper for Cluj, uh Arloskis saved eleven of them. Um eight inside the box. So it was it looks like it was just a 
um, a crazily good performance from him, and and Ren just couldn't couldn't get anything in the back of the net. Yeah, uh, I mean, what I was saying earlier, I was kind of relating to that idea. Where do the? I mean, okay, this game is an absolute absurdity because there were twelve shots on target. But no goals. Where do the goals come from in this team? Del Castillo, where's he getting his goals? He's had 47 appearances at Ren um, and he scored twice. Adrian Hanu, we were looking at his record before we came on. You know, he's he's never scored more than 10 goals. For a team like Ren who want to be up there and amongst it, they don't get loads of goals. And Bainey Yang's the only guy who you could say, oh yeah, he'll get a goal for you. But if he's playing on the wing, nothing's going to come out of that. Um, you know, I, again, I don't want to be too disrespectful to Ren's squad because they do have some players that I really like. Kamavinga is obviously an obvious choice. Benjamin Borjo, I still think he can do no wrong. Um, Maussa is really good, and, and Triori are, are both good at fullback, but they just don't offer loads going backwards. I don't know. I, I, I just still think that Ren are missing that ah oh, that spark, that step up that that takes them into being a European team, and you can see it because right now they're sitting so far in the table. Ben Affa, yeah, yeah, but Ben Honestly, I'm not. I, I know he's got problems like off the pitch and stuff, but he he gives you that spark. That's he, he drove them to the to the cup last season. Yeah, and you know? your your magnificent run Europa League. Yes, it's, it's just a shame that. I just like this at this point. They they need it though. Yeah, I agree with you on that. They need someone like that. They need an X Factor player mm-hmm. like Ben Affa. Like, someone it, that just changes games and turns draws into wins and yeah. defeats into, you know, draws. But I I don't want to spend too much time on this because we do have a couple more games to to go through. But Clinton, do you agree with Thomas? Do you think that Ren have what was the quote? One of the best squads in League of <laughs> Not like top three, but no, I know. That's quite good enough for Europa League, I'd say. Yeah, I, I think they should be. They should easily be a top six team. <sighs> top six, general, like every season. I think yes. they have the squad to do it. Yeah, yeah. But and if they if they add someone like Ben Affa again, someone you know with that kind of skill set and an X Factor player like that, then it it would elevate them to maybe top four <laughs> or top five at least. I think so. I think they have a good squad, and I, I guess that's what Rafinha was supposed to be. He's a very talented player. I think he's eventually going to explode. So mm. that remains to be seen. I don't know. Just see when I look through the list, and I'm looking at teams that I think have better squads. Again, I don't want to make this a whole just addition on Ren podcast, but PSG obviously have got a better squad. Um, Lille got a better squad, in my opinion. I think Bordeaux probably have a better squad. Thanks, Anetti. I think so. Yeah, I do. I, players I aren't playing that, at the top of their that's, game right now. That's, that's apart not, from the de- uh, apart from the defense, okay, the defense is not that good. Apart yeah, from yeah. Yeah. but <laughs> out, outside of that, that, outside of that, um, Brion still does a job. Chalmeni in the midfield, uh, Yassine Adli, Samu Kalou when he wants to. I think yeah, ta- talent wise, Bordeaux is is. Uh, but that's how you judge your squad, doesn't it? It's not on form. Well, no, I mean not not just on. Like young talent. Run out, run out. Yeah, yeah, they still have Fabian Tays, sort of not kicked on. Uh, he hasn't been played that yeah. much actually. Um, he normally he sort of dominates on the left hand side, and they've been playing sort of a um, a two up front, which doesn't really doesn't really help his uh, his push into that team. Yeah. Yeah. No. There's been a couple. I think players... they're probably one or two signings away from being 
that's you know, team that we think they are. Hmm, I don't see it. I'm not going to lie, I don't see it. Uh, I, I, I'd love to be proved wrong because, like I said, I do like a lot of the players and I like the club and I think, you know, Stefan's class and I think Razon Park's a great stadium and all that jazz about it. I just don't see... I just think they've been a little bit fortunate and punching above their weight in the last few years. I know, I, like I said, I don't want to just dirt on them, but, uh, you know, just when you look at some of this form when you go through the last season, I don't know, I'm going to move on, but yeah, I, I don't think they <laughs> are as good as maybe, or, or I think have they the lost, they lost some think. very, very good players though in summer. That's probably why you don't see it. So who left in the summer? Ben Arthur left in the summer. Andre, Smell Andre, yeah. Ah, Smell of course. Andre's, I think, is a big miss. Andre's mm, a big yeah. Yeah, for certain. Okay, let's move on to the last team that we're playing in Europe. Uh, it's another disappointing result. So uh, this was Alexandria, my gran, against San Etienne uh, in the Europa League. San Etienne were 2-0 up, weren't they? What, what did that match finish, Thomas? I didn't catch the end of that. <laughs> uh, it finished 2 all. Oh, um, did it all right. Um, oh, my Jesus. Which is, which is uh, I, I mean, I was... I thought it had just finished um, 2-1 to uh, San Etienne, but somehow they managed to concede another goal, um, which is kind of surprising when you think this is always a club or a uh, team that don't usually uh, end up conceding that many goals, and, and they've conceded twice. And I mean, they're still in the... They could potentially still um, qualify. I mean, the, the next game against Ghent is basically... A, I mean, they have to win that game. Um if not, then, I mean, you just sort of have to move on. And it's difficult that, uh, I mean, am I just coming into the squad and, and it's got preparing for the league as well as, as, well as deal with um, what's happening in Europe. But, I mean, it is, it is a disappointing result for certain. So the, the group set up right now for San Etienne. We'll go back and look at Ren as well, actually, in a second with their group set up. But the setup is, in Group I, they have Ghent on top with eight points. Wolfsburg just below them on five. And then San Etienne and Alexandria are both on three points. So they do have a chance. They've got they've got two games to make it right. They just hope, need to hope that either Wolfsburg and Alexandria draw or Alexandria wins and San Etienne win, obviously. San Etienne can't just like be terrible. They have to really step up <laughs> these, these next two matches. Um, do you think they can do that? Clinton, do you think they have the ability to really step up or do you think it's just been an unfortunate set of circumstances, you know, that she's on pre... Because, you know, we were talking this a couple of weeks ago, the squad that they built up ahead of this Europa League season was solid. Um, and, you know, she's on pre coming in, you're like, okay, you might, you might not see him as this master te- tactician, but all the players seem behind him. And then it just never really clicked. It's just been a bit unfortunate. And then you chuck Puel in amongst there and he's coming in mid-campaign. It's all just very difficult and tricky right now. Clinton, do you see them getting through, really? Well, um, they've disappointed me enough for me not to believe in them anymore. So (laughs) I'm not going to be optimistic about their chances because even if they beat Ghent, um, they would have to go to Wolfsburg to play and that's going to be a very tricky game for them uh, and I don't think Wolfsburg would um, draw or lose against uh, Alexandra. that was like the opportunity that uh, Saint-Étienne had at home they had the lead, they lost it away they had a two-goal lead and they lost it as well I mean that's that, that was <sighs> easy six points 
they, they should have just wrapped that up. That, I mean, Alexandria are last in the group. Yeah. And they've managed to get two of their three points against Santetiana. That's just terrible. That's the one game that you're... That's the one tie that you're supposed to win. Home yeah. anyway. So that's, that's, like, that's like your six points. That's your six points right there. Alexandria home, yeah, Alexandria away. So I don't think they can. I don't. I'm not even sure they will be able to beat Ghent at home because Ghent are very, very unreliable. Yeah, yeah, and Ghent are really good. So it's, it's just, it's just tricky. I, yeah. I don't think they, they, they make it out of this group. But I'd, I'd love to be proven wrong because I really, 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 really need them to be in the next round. I mean, why would the French club? Why would there be no French club? In, in the next round of the Europa League. Can't even get out of the group stages. That's just terrible. That'd be so And um, I had my, my hopes on Strasbourg at, at the beginning of the season, but they were not able to get into the groups. They faced a very tough tough tie against um, Frankfurt, and mm-hmm. eventually they collapsed. But uh, nah, it's, it's just going to be a bad look if all the French clubs... You know, yeah, I think Strasbourg probably would have had a better, better of a chance because there's been like less drama about them recently. Yeah, I've had all the manager stuff. Ren are still a wee bit in transition with Stefan getting used to things, whereas they would have just gone in, Cherry kick the ball to Matiba, score three goals on the boys, <laughs> win, the, win the competition. You know what I mean? It's like there would have been just less drama about it, but that never came about. They were they were really unfortunate, to be honest, and it's, they're still kind of, Strasbourg are still kind of reeling off the effects of, of that early season disappointment, I feel. Uh, but yeah. yeah, disappointing about San Diego. Hopefully, we get one French team in the in the knockout stages, hopefully. Something. Uh, okay, let's preview a couple of the matches set to be played this weekend. We've still got the uh, French team call-ups to talk about, so we'll ramp through these. Firstly, we have Marseille versus Lyon. Show des Olympiques, whatever you want to call it. Big derby, Olympian derby, pretty much, in, in France. It's a big match. So, firstly, Clinton. This Marseille site, under Andre Villas-Boas, not a lot of money has been thrown at it. Only a couple signings, Valentin Rongier probably being the most high-profile alongside Dario Benedetto. How does this Marseille side compare to the teams in the last few years that have faced Lyon? Do you think they're in a better situation now, squad-wise, compared to maybe the, the team of, of one or two years ago? Uh, I think this is probably our weakest squad in years. Easily their weakest squad in years. I mean, look at the players that are starting. It's just, in fact, AVB's bench. Let's not even leave, uh, look at the starting eleven. Let's look at the bench. The bench <laughs> AVB has, I mean, he's bringing on eighteen-year-olds, seventeen-year-olds in games, and it's just, it's just. I, I think he's doing a decent job with what you know he's been handed, and uh, but I, I don't really have high expectations for Marseille this season. But, I mean, that's why I think it's refreshing to see that somehow they are up there. I mean, they are fourth. If, if you had given them that season, taking it be fourth at this point in the season, they would have taken it because of the way their summer went and all the you know issues about money and all of that. So, But I, I, I don't think that they, they have a very strong squad currently. And with Dovan out, that's, that just makes it worse. Yeah. But um, thankfully, I think some of their... You know, bigger players have stepped up a bit. Um, Benedetto, the, the big sign in, in summer, or their main sign in summer, has been really good. I love him. Like, I absolutely love that guy. I, like, I don't know. He gives me this adrenaline rush. No, I, see him play. I know what you mean. Absolutely. I know what you mean. 
So uh, I think he's he's done very well. Uh, and a few others. And of course, we have Jordan Amavi, who... <laughs> Who is, who is silently getting into form somehow. I don't know. I think AVB, uh, Mo and I were talking about it the other day. Uh, and, I mean, he, AVB handled that very well. And uh, overall, also, Samsung was a bit disappointing earlier. But also, Rangier was uh, has been very good. That's another person that has stepped mm-hmm. up very well. And like I always say, Rangier is my favorite Ligon midfielder that is not named Verratti. I absolutely. <laughs> so uh, he's 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 been really really good. So um, also Bubaka Kamara has. I mean, what more can be said about that guy? So well, he so, stepped um, into midfield against Lille, didn't he? How how do you think he did? Yeah. Oh, he did brilliantly. He was he was excellent. I think he was man of the match. Yeah. I think he was absolutely excellent. So I mean, if you look at that, that's like a spine. Mm-hmm. In a way, and of course we have Mandanda who's has done pretty well. So, uh-huh. so that's like a spine, a bit of a spine there. You have a um, Kamara in defense most of the time, and then you have a, uh, you know, in mid- midfield you have Rangier and in attack you have Benedetto, and you also have Payet who has been out, but I mean he's back now. And you know, if you have those kind of players to build with, I mean, generally you still have, you you stand a chance, mm-hmm. you know. So. Um, Hopefully, when Tovin comes in January, also he'll be able to, you know, get back in form quickly and you know take the team to the next level. Yeah. Overall, I think uh, the Marseille team is really, really uh, weak mm. currently. So Thomas uh, Andre Villas Boas, the Marseille manager, ahead of his match with PSG a few weeks ago, a game they lost four 0 eventually. You know, there there were some strange sayings in the press that we talked about at the time. You know, he was saying that. PSG are on a whole other level. They should just focus on the Champions League. Kind of playing down the fixture as if like it didn't really mean much. Some fans didn't enjoy that because they thought it, it was a bit cowardly for a Marseille manager. You know, they think he should really be taking the game to PSG in, in one of the biggest matches in France. How do you think he approaches this game against Lyon? Still a big club in terms of France, but a team that's not been at their best, at least this year, recent weeks are a bit different. But how do you think he goes into this game? Do you think he goes into this match with a little bit more belief, you could say? Yeah, I mean, um, Leon on, on PSG, so he must be more confident um, about about the upcoming game. Um, obviously, off the back of uh, a couple of decent results, but, you know, Marseille... I mean, you look at the start of the season and you say Marseille are going to be in fourth at this point. You ask most Marseille fans and they'd be pretty happy with that. I mean, the table is pretty crazy at the moment, so you can't take much from from that. But from what from what VS Boss has done, it's um, it's commendable. So th- this game should be a it usually is a quite a fiery affair between both sides, and there's usually um, quite a few tackles flying around and uh, some good goals scored. How much of a boost will Alvaro Gonzalez be for this game? You know, centre back came on loan from Spain and he impressed a lot of fans uh, towards the start of the season. Then he picked up a bit of an injury, but he was back in the squad against Lille. Thomas, do you think this will really help Marseille's defence, which hasn't been the best in recent years? Yeah, he's, uh, he's, I mean, he's looked really good. Um, yeah. I've seen him play. I mean, the, the Chaleta char Kamara partnership didn't seem like it was working too much. No. Um, uh, Kamara's now in, in the field, and obviously Clinton said he was 
he was uh, man of the match against against Lille. So, and and you know that that defence has struggled in the past, and and hopefully you know they they could they could um, settle on that on that sort of spine of the team, uh, the well, defensive spine of the team, and that really sets them up well um, to to progress uh, with with the squad and um, and with their season. Mm, absolutely, I, I think Kamara was almost like wasted at centre back because he's just so technically good like he always has a good pass accuracy he made a key pass in the match against Lille he's just very good with the ball at his feet um he's a bit more of a, a, a modern day centre back you could say if you want to go down that route um Marseille could go second if they win this match and other results go their way. Tom, you touched on it a little bit there, but just how much of an achievement would that be for the team? I know it is still quite tight at the moment in the league, but Andre Villas-Boas would look at that if they did go second as a as a big achievement early on in his Marseille career, yeah? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's been... I mean, it's, it's not been uh, an amazing, you know, exciting start, um, but you shouldn't really be expecting that with the current situation and and vs boas has done has done i mean very well with with the resource well pretty well with the resources um it's been given so i don't see how we can complain too much um at the moment uh with marseille um so it seems like they give they're giving vs boas some um more time and and they're, they're confident about him at at the moment Hundred percent, and we've we've already talked a bit about Leon um, this episode, but just to quickly cover them, Clinton, this would be such a big win for Garcia, wouldn't it? You know, a guy that wasn't overly, let's say, favourable with the fans when he arrived, but to get a big win against the rivals, against his old team, that would be massive in building a relationship with the fans, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think this is the. This is the result he needs to get both the fans, you know, uh, behind him, and also to just kickstart his team. Like this is the game for him, and of course there are all those other things that, that are part of the narrative, the whole his former team and the way he left and all of that. Everything, everything, you know, matters to him in this game, and I think he's going to take it very personally. So we're going to see yeah, a very yeah. fiery affair and it's going to be huge if he's able to get the win in this game. And, you know, from there, I think that if, I, I believe that if Leon get the win in this game, next four, five, six, seven games, they're going to be absolutely, you know, top level. Yeah. So I think this is the game to kickstart them. Right? I think the other games, of course, they're good and everything, but this game, the what's at stake and the history and all of that. It's it's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it matters, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get your score predictions for this one, Clinton. I'll start with you. What do you think this Derby game is going to finish? Keep in mind that the last four matches between Lyon and Marseille have been won by Ligon, by Lyon. Uh, I think the game is going to end 2-1. 2, one. two. two. Uh, a team with Olympic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of them. <laughs> it's going to end to one to Marseille, I think. Uh, yeah. I know it's it's a bit weird that I'm saying that, but I don't know. I just have this feeling that they'll be up, up for it uh, at the Velodrome. I think that they'll... But I think it'll be very, very, very close. I yeah. think 
it'll probably be like there'll probably be several minutes added you know at the end and everything will be tense and all of that and somehow they'll walk away with it they'll probably waste time for like 10 minutes take the ball to the corner or something but that's kind of game i think is going to happen i think marcel will steal it Mm -hmm. Uh, it's one yeah thomas what do you think uh, I'm going to go for a, a two-all draw. So both sets of fans come out like happy, sort of, but frustrated in a way. Uh, yeah, I, I was also thinking that I can also see a draw coming in this because Leon have been playing well, but it's not against, except for really Benfica, they've not been against the best quality teams, you know. What was their wins against Mets? And they also played uh, Toulouse. Toulouse has been all right since... Varies came in, but you know, they're still to really face a good team in good form. And Marseille are quite good at home, but yeah, I'm, I'm backing Kamara to absolute pull off a midfield masterclass. Uh, so I'll say two all as well. Uh, and our, our last game of the episode is going to be Rams versus Angers. Thomas, I was thinking we've not talked about Angers in, in a while, you've not been really able to go on all your rants. How's their season been since the you know since the the climax of them going second um, and, and and when they just reached that? How's it been since all the buzz of that early season form? Um, it's uh, I mean we we're in second at the moment and it's been a bit strange. I don't know why we are still in second. I mean the form of the past couple of games hasn't been great. Um, we've produced a couple of good performances. Um, we probably should have just see, um, had better results from and, and some. I mean, the, the game against Strasbourg on the weekend, just gone. <laughs> we didn't play very well. Um, we, had, we had one penalty and that was basically it. And Strasbourg had a couple of very good chances and, and probably should have at least got a point for, from from that game. Um, but, it, I mean, I can't compl- complain about being second. Uh, I hope that, the, you know, we continue the the good well, continue on uh, the good form and and uh, I don't see any any issues uh, arising as yet. But it should be a, a quite a good game actually against you know a roundsider and a coach in David Guion is is quite uh, similar in in philosophy and style. I mean when when Stefan Moulin was appointed um, coach the uh, first team coach of Angers, he actually. Um, got in touch with David Guillon and want him to be part of the technical staff. Um, some of some of his staff. So it's sort of it it, it links well. They both got quite quite similar philosophies in um in football and and um and how they like to approach approach games. But you know, Rouse are a, a very <laughs> a very astute team defensively. I mean they only conceded six and two of them was on against Nice on on uh on the weekend, just gone. So uh, a strong defensive team against Angers side that, I mean, used to have a strong defensive team and <laughs> Santa Maria is sort of holding it up. Um, uh, he's been holding up for, for a very long time. So it'll be a, an interesting game, actually. Yeah. Mm. You mentioned that the, the form hasn't been amazing in the last few weeks, but yet they still sit right up there with, with the big boys. How sustainable is that, do you think? Do you think it's just a matter of time before other teams start getting in gear and overtaking you? Or do you think, no, Audrey can actually do something special this season? Um, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't expect us to finish second at the end of the season. But, I mean, the way... I, I, my only concern is that every sort of everything behind 
Santa Maria is uh, concerned. Everything ahead of him is kind of nice, you know, so all nice. And then you, it, it's kind of like everything. Everything's ahead of him is really, really nice. You know, all playing great football here. It's really nice interchanges. Really good players, talented players. And then you sort of open the door behind Santa Maria, and there's like a fire in the back. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we'll just we'll just leave that for now. Um, we sort of. We're kind of avoiding the issue, um, and we've been avoiding the defensive issue for a good for years now. I mean, the the, the starting back five, um, four of them players started the first game of our promotion season in 2015. Oh wow! So, so that they are um, they they're getting on quite a bit, and 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 um, some of them, you know, some of the the backup and replacements we've got aren't really league on standard. Um, so it's uh, a little bit concerning, but if we can keep scoring goals, then I'm not too bothered about it. Uh, it's only when Santa Maria does leave in, in the summer, then there's a big issue there. But um, yeah, uh, hopefully if we can keep up, I mean, some of the football we've been playing has been brilliant. So if we can play that kind of football, then maybe we can we can maybe uh, sneak sneak for a Europe European spot. But I'm always happy, always happy with a mid-table finish. <laughs> Uh, the, their opposition in this match will be Stade de Ramps a, a team similar to Angers have been promoted in the last few years last season they had their first year following a promotion from Ligue 2 Clinton, what have you made of, of Ramps since they've been promoted, you know last season they were fantastic uh, really stunning a lot of doubters to eventually finish 8th they probably could have finished a little bit higher but but fell off yeah. towards the end of the last season, if I remember correctly. Right now, they sit seventh, and that's a pretty solid position for a team that were playing League 2 football as uh, as soon as two years ago. How have they adapted to top-flight football? Yeah, I think that um, Rams have been brilliant since they got you know into League 1 last season, and I've just been very, very, very fascinated by you know, their results and the way they've just approached things. I mean, this season, that win against PSG was just absolutely, mm. absolutely beautiful to see. And um, th- there was a... Th- last season, I was sharing videos of some of the goals they were scoring and, you know, the, the build-up play that they were doing. And it was just so gorgeous. Like, I, I think I shared two or three on my tail one time and everyone was like, wow, what team is this? Because... Um, <laughs> I, I just love the way I just love how organized they are. You know, they are very, very organized. They're such an organized team and they are such a well coached team. And you can see it in, in the way they approach game. I mean, if they are not going to score against you, then you're going to struggle to score against them. Just know that. I mean, even if you know they, they give you nothing in attack in a in a game defensively, they're just solid. I think they were a bit more exciting last season. Yeah, but this season, I think they've prioritized, um, you know, having that solid defense. Of course, defensively last season, they were also very, very good. Um, but this season, I think they've just taken to another level. And having, you know, the, the new goalkeeper, Rajkovic, in uh, has just been, you know, really good for them. He's and, very good, hasn't he? He's, yeah, he's so he's, good. You should... <laughs> you should see his um, save percentage numbers and everything... I can't remember what figure. It was about 86 or something. It's, it's crazy. 83%. 83% percentage. And he's, he's facing, a, I mean, a good number of shots. And he's 83%. Just to put this into context. 
Kepa of Chelsea is at 50-something percent, 55 percent. Oh. Same percentage. <laughs> Courtois of Real Madrid, 56 percent. <laughs> so, oh I mean... If, day, that's insane. Like, how... Yeah, even... I didn't realise that, like, the numbers, how much higher it is than, than these guys yeah, just go, oh, yeah, they're the top, like, like goalkeepers. Exactly. Right? And Oblak, Oblak in the past... Oblak is regarded as... Is really the best goalkeeper. In yeah, the, the best. And over the past, you know, over the past four or five seasons, Oblak has been consistently doing about eighty percent save, and eighty percent save percentage. So that just tells you the level that Rakovic is playing at. He's been doing eighty-three percent after twelve games, and he has played against um, Monaco. He has played against uh, PSG. You know, he has played against Nice. He has played against Montpellier. You know, all those teams, and he's still been able to keep. Played against Lille as well, and still been able to keep that, you know, percentage high like that. That shows that mm. you know, he's really adding something. So I think that overall the team is just brilliant. And yeah. um, if they can just become a team that scores more, that would help a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they have defense sorted, they have everything sorted, the organization and everything. So if they just start getting a lot more goals, yeah, I think. We could see them in Champions League positions. I'm not going to put that past them, but they just need to have those goals coming in now. Hundred percent. That's what's missing. Yeah. A player that they can maybe use to get a few goals is Nathaniel Mbuku. Uh, their their 17 year old wonder kid. Are we allowed to call him that? Who just scored a hat trick for the French under 17s side at yeah, the World yeah. Cup uh, against Australia. Uh, yeah, he started against PSG a few weeks ago, I believe, as well. Looks a real talent. But Rams have got a very good record in, in recent years of developing their own youth. So they deserve everything that's, that's coming to them. They're looking like a, a really interesting team right now. Possibly a, a team that's that sets itself its long-term goals as getting back to maybe the heyday of the 1950s that everyone talks about. You know, that's that's a long way away, but... That was a great team, and Rams look look very hard to beat at the moment. Good side. So, let's get your score predictions for this gentleman. Clinton, I'll start with you. What do you think this game is going to finish between Rams and Angers? I think it's going to finish nil-nil. <laughs> Go left. <laughs> Thomas. Uh, exciting one-all draw. Oh, wow. Um... Ah, I should have thought with us before we started, shouldn't I have? <laughs> I'm going to go... I don't think Andrew are going to win. They didn't look great against Strasbourg. Um, I don't know if they got a penalty, something. Should have, I think Raps are going to win 1-0. They've got a pretty good home record. They're very good at defending. Uh, and Andrew... Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I think Andrew are going to slightly drop like a stone over the next few weeks. <laughs> I just... Yeah, they, they've not looked great. They were good against Brest, but didn't win... And I think yeah, that yeah. does catch up on you after a while. So, yeah, I think Ramps are going to win 1-0 with my boy Bully Dia getting the winner because I do like him. He's very good. <laughs> uh, okay, quickly, just before we finish up, the French national side's call-ups, the, the latest edition, just got put out for their upcoming matches, the, the Euro 2020 qualifiers against Moldova and Albania. Illustrious opposition as ever in the qualifying stages so uh you two i want to see who you would have in and who would you have out you can go to the get french football news website you can also go and see the call-ups on twitter at gffn uh, to see who got called up for that but 
Thomas, I'll start with you. I asked you before you came on to have one player that you would replace in the team with someone that you think should maybe uh, put in there. I told you you're not allowed to use Dembele because you always just say Mr Dembele when he never gets in the team. <laughs> but uh, who do you think should have made the squad? Um, I'm going to pick a player that probably won't be making the squad uh, but deserves a, a good shout-out, and that's you know Karim Benzema who um, in his last game became the third top scorer in the Champions League for Real Madrid, um, tied with Di Stefano with 49 goals. And he's, I, don't, I don't see him getting back into the French squad, but um, he, he's been I mean, he's been brilliant for Real Madrid, especially when Ronaldo's left and he's, he's taken up that goal-scoring mantle. A lot of people did doubt, you know, everybody, a lot of people thought, you know, he was just there to facilitate for, for other players like... Um, basically, Ronaldo uh, did a lot of his running, but you know he has stepped up and, and shows that he can still he can still contribute well and, and be the main man and, and the goal scorer um, for Real Madrid in what has been you know quite a uh, unstable period. So uh, yeah, shout out to Karen Benzema. I haven't really asked answer the question, but there we go. <laughs> Yeah, who would you replace out of that? So strikers in the team right now, like out-and-out strikers are Mbappe, Griezmann and Giroud, really. Nabil Fekir sometimes drifts into mid-centre, yeah, but yeah, out of those three players, I think it'd probably be Giroud you take out. Oh, I really like Giroud, though. <laughs> but he doesn't it's play been... anymore, you know what I mean? Like You can't just have some bench warmer in. Yeah, but it's it's more... But it's Giroud, special. like... <laughs> Yeah, it's is is um, Deschamps special special man, I mean, special boy. He just he, he justifies the selection every time. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's the problem. You can't really argue against it when he just performs every time. Every time he he is called up. Yeah, <laughs> he's not making my team. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Clinton, who's in? Uh, and Anthony Martial. For yeah, for uh, Thomas Lemar. I mean, I could put like ten players before you know Lemar. Like, yeah. I, I, I can name ten, twenty players. I've never been a fan of Lemar, so <laughs> there's that. But I just don't think he deserves still being that team. Of course, there's another person I would actually remove. But um, should I should I go ahead and mention? Tell us, share, share your knowledge. <laughs> He's someone that uh, I don't think should still be in, this, in the French squad till now. But Deschamps loves loves him so. There's nothing we can do. Um, okay, two. Yeah, actually, two. Matuidi. <laughs> okay, okay, that's okay. Controversial, but keep going. Yeah, I get, I get his function, the team, and everything. But I, I always felt like you know, after the World Cup triumph, um, Didier should have been looking at how to now evolve the team, evolve you know, tactically, and you know, be more of a threat in attack. You know, but he's still sticking with you know players on the left and then coming inwards into midfield and all of that. And I just feel like it's a bit limiting. But you can't question the World Cup winner. It's it's almost you know impossible. He won the World Cup, so of course he has a right to do what he wants to do. But I feel like at this point, um, Matuidi should just you know not be getting as much as many call-ups anymore i mean it's just be phased out he's already like pretty old and you know he has he has served his time he has done well for the national <laughs> team to be fair he's done very well uh, but i mean at this point come on let's let's just move on <laughs> and of course Musa Sissoko is still very very important like for what Deschamps wants to do like 
constantly those things he does and all of that but i just feel like i don't know at this point i, I want to be seeing um Usain Mawa, you know in the team someone like him in the team yeah. and you know i want to start seeing those kind of players getting and you know a, a different approach you know kind of because i just feel like we're seeing the same things again and again and again from you know the same it's just and when there's no mbappe the entire team suffers that's not sustainable yeah there has to be there has to be a structure that ensures that even when someone like mbappe is not there or griezmann is not there the team can still you know function and and i don't think you can do that with players like matuidi yeah i know no disrespect but i know when you when you look at the midfield, it's like there's a lot of steel there, a lot of steel, but there's not a lot of well, there's, exactly. There's not a lot of cushions. There's not a lot of cushions. You know, there's not exactly. a lot of things to soften up. I mean, okay, if I'm an attacker for who are they playing again, and 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 Albania, okay, so if I'm Albania is number ten. I'm sorry, I don't know who that is, but Albania's number ten. <laughs> All right, I've just I've got the ball in the midfield. I've just skipped past Ingolo Kante. Get out of the way. He's away. I'm like, okay, I'm I'm past their main de- defensive midfielder. Oh, Mr. Suzoko, okay, ducked under him. Blaze Matuidi's <laughs> gonna clothesline me, and then Tongi and Dombley just comes and two foots you. You got no chance. But then when they win the ball back, who's scything it through three defenders? I, I think that's where Husam Awar. I agree with you, Clinton. I think that's where Awar comes in. Exactly. And, I just with does stuff. Out. Yeah, I like, with out. like you need someone. It's like it's just. You need someone just advanced in that in that midfield. Exactly. Field. I mean, when you look, you've got, you've got plenty of transition players, but yeah. there's nobody. There's, yeah, there's nobody that that advanced. Which is why they are so reliant on Griezmann doing something or Mbappe doing something. Yeah. Just unlocking something. Or, yeah. I mean, it shouldn't be that way. France have too many talented players. Yeah. No. Just too many talented players to be having such problems. So that's that's why I feel like if I if I had a choice, I wouldn't. I'd be you know, living out Matuidi. I'd be living out you know those guys, and I'll be bringing players like Awa into the team. So well, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just a little old me. So yeah, you're not just a little old. You're Clinton. You're you. You gotta own it, okay? And we care. This is why you're talking on the show. Why the people are listening? Uh, right. Thanks a lot for asking, guys. I'll give my opinion. Uh, right. Okay. So I think I would go with uh, Giroud's in the bin. Marcus Turam's coming in. He's absolute absolute legend. Uh, doing really well at Munchen Gladbach right now. And if I was going to dip into the under twenty ones, I would have either Awar or Guendouzi or Renan Dalid coming up for. Coming up for uh, either a tweet or Sissoko. I can't say which one's probably better than I, but one of those two. Um, Alassane Player. Alassane Player's good as well. He's good. He's at Munchgalbach as well, playing as well. Yeah. He's a good player. player. Uh, yeah, there's there's like, there are options there. Also, under 21s, I know we're not talking about it, but Nikola Kotza, he's in the bin as well. Axel de Sassi, he's in the squad. That's how you win, okay? Like, you know, I don't make the rules. <laughs> Just how it works. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's how we're And Kunku is in form as well. <laughs> and Kunku at uh, Leipzig. How old is he? Too old? Is he still twenty-one? Or let's do a quick. He's twenty-one. Still twenty-one. But he turns twenty-two yeah. next week. 
Ah, uh, so he's probably not getting in the team. Uh, but he's doing really well. Ah, uh, and Kunku. Yeah. I love him. I wish I, was, I wish I was still watching him, like, in week in, week out. It's quite sad. Um, right. Okay, let's close up there. Thank you very much, gentlemen, as ever, for joining me. If you're looking for more information on all things football and French and news and get... What you want to do is go to www.getfootballnewsfrance.com. Lots of good articles coming up right now. All the news you want, all the good stuff you're looking for. You know, when you just you just want to hear about your French football news. Uh, Adrian Drill, uh, who was on the show, I think a month ago now, has a really good article out on Marcus Turam right now. A good feature piece talking about his rise from gang up and now to playing really well at Gladbach. That's the 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 piece that I recommend that you give a little bit of a read right now because Marcus Turam's he's a very good player, very good player. I got to say I probably underrated him a little bit when he was at gang up, but I'm glad to see him doing well over in Germany. You can also find very good information on the Twitter for GFFN at. GFFN. It's a good Twitter handle. And that wraps us up. Thank you very much for listening. We won't be on next week as it'll be the international break. So enjoy your week off. I hope your nation loses. Uh, And we'll see you (laughs) back in just over a week's time. Thank you very much for listening. I'll see you later.